John 15, that's where we'll be today, um, talking about the true vine. This is the, uh, the, last, uh, the last sermon in our sermon series on the I Am Statements in, uh, in John, and uh, I think this has been just a, a great journey just to kind of go through, um, through these, be invited into these illustrations, and, uh, and consider Jesus and, uh, and how we relate to him. Um, I think I've, 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 just as I've been going through this this time around, uh, just really been struck by um, how, the, uh, how Jesus speaks of himself, you know. I mean, I've said this before, he, he doesn't just straight up say, you know, uh, this is who I am and this is how it is. He does say that every so often, but, but in the I am statements, he really gives us pictures and he gives these, 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 these wonderful pictures to think about. Um, and, and they're not simply pictures to think about who is Jesus. There is some of that. But they invite us to think about our relationship to him. So he says, I am the bread of life. Okay, so you're the bread of life. That's great. How am I to relate to the bread of life? I'm to come to him with my hunger. I'm to come to him uh, seeking to be satisfied. He says something like, uh, I am the resurrection. So what does that mean for my relationship? Well, it means that, that, that I should come to him longing for and, and, and expecting new, newness of life. If, uh, uh, and there's so many, so many more of these. I don't think that, that any of the, uh, the I am statements is so clear as the one we have today regarding our relationship. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. That's what Jesus says in, uh, in John 15. But then he goes in explaining what our relationship is to that vine. And, it's, uh, and that's something that I want to invite you into is uh, no matter where you're at, no matter what your week has been uh, like, no matter what you are thinking this next week will be, or, or uh, no matter where you're at in your, your journey of faith, that there's, a, there's great hope, there's great joy, uh, there's great love in this, this ongoing activity of, of abiding in Jesus. So uh, I know we all got settled in here. Uh, out, of, out of reverence for God's word, if possible, I'd, I'd ask that you stand as we read these, uh, our text for today. Uh, this will be John 15, verses 1 through 7. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Uh, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as you have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that my joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, uh, I am very uh, right-brained in how I process the Bible. 
So today, uh, I think last week, if you were here, I'm the way, the truth, and the life was three circles with a line. Uh, that was our, our picture. Today, our sermon outline is, uh, if you could go to the next slide, is that picture. Uh, so that is uh, where we're going to be. This is a vine, obviously, a grapevine. There's fruit on it. There's vine right in between the two, uh, two grapes, grapes uh, in, in the middle there. There's the vine right there. And then the branch is the big, you know, stocky thing there. That's our picture, the branch, the vine, and the fruit. Uh, what I've, what I've uh, just been wrestling with this week is, is uh, there's this idea of abiding. I think we, we look into this idea of abiding, and we have to ask this question, what does it mean to abide in Christ? So if he is the vine, he tells us our right relationship to him, and that right relationship is to abide, to abide in him. So I want to ask the question, you know, kind of in the sermon, what does abiding entail? But I, I just very, very personally and pastorally, I just want to give you just the straight, like this, if you, if you get one thing, this is what I want you to get. Uh, focus on your connection to Christ. That, that's really what it is. Focus on your connection to Christ. I know that's not maybe the most flowery uh, uh, thing, but focus on where you uh, are, are one of the branches that may bear fruit and may not bear, bear fruit. We'll get to that. But really, you need to focus on your connection to the vine. Focus on your connection to Christ. So, uh, kind of by way of uh, a three-point sermon, we're going to look at this, though, uh, going from the fruit all the way back to the vine. So, we're going to read through our text, but it's going to take us from a focus on the fruit, the result of abiding. Uh, uh, it's going it's to take us to the activity of abiding, that connection to uh, the vine. And then it's going to take us to kind of the beginning of the whole idea, which is the vine itself. So, we're going to go from the result to the activity, to the beginning, kind of in a backward sequence, but that's how the text flows. Results of abiding is fruitfulness. I'll read verse 2 again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So, uh, in this illustration, there are two kinds of branches, the kind that bears fruit and the kind that does not. I think that's pretty, pretty easy, pretty cut and dried there. So uh, at the Casey household, at my house, uh, we have a maple tree, and it's out in our front yard. It, uh, it provides great shade during the day. Uh, in the fall, it turns just this bright red. It's so wonderful. Uh, it's so beautiful. I love it. Um, but we've got a problem with it, though. Uh, we've had it for a couple of years. Is we've got some dead wood. Uh, we've got some, some branches that, that do nothing. Uh, they're just there, um, mocking me. And I hate it. Uh, as the, uh, as the uh, I guess, I, I had to look it up. I guess uh, as the family roles go, I would be the arborist uh, of the family, the one who tends the trees. Um, so I like that. I, I'm going to write that now on my resume from now on. Also, arborist. Um, but really what that takes, because I don't have like the saw to do it, you know, uh, is it takes, I just stand across the, across the street and look at our house. I just hate all that dead wood. That's really all it entails for me. Like I don't actually do anything about it. I just sit there and hate it. Uh, but what does it do? As I've just looked at this, this dead wood, these dead branches, uh, what do they do? They're, 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 everything's growing around them. And right now we've got all the buds and it's looking great, except those couple of branches. They're just sitting there, not doing anything. They're, they're taking space. And the other, the other branches are really, you know, not growing where they could grow. Now, last year, I cut out some of these. And, and we're seeing this year that there's, there's growth, that these other, these, 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 uh, these, these fruitful branches, the ones that are, that are blossoming, they're actually kind of growing out further and becoming bigger and, and, and wonderful. Uh, but then there's that dead wood. I think 
that this illustration invites us into something similar to this. The father, the vine dresser, he easily spots the deadwood. He goes through the vineyard. I've not been into uh, a vineyard uh, or, or too many vineyards to be able to, to know what, what, what's good, what's bad, what am I even looking at? But the father does. He planted it. It's his. He's the vine dresser. He spots it. I believe, uh, and I'm so struck by these comments here that, that Jesus says, I'm the vine, but then he goes off to these, the deadwood. He goes off to these branches that aren't bearing fruit. That always strikes me. It rubs me the wrong way because I, I want Christianity just to be all encouraging and fun, but this seems pretty dark. And so you have to ask the question, why is this here? Why didn't he just say, abide in me and it'll be great? I think they're here and they're discussed. I feel at length. It's not too many words, but it's more than I would have put. Why is that there? It's because we need to hear it. We need to hear it because we're prone to automatically assuming that we're fruitful Christians by proximity to Jesus and not by faith in Jesus. We think that sometimes we can just hang out in the vineyard. Maybe that could be the church, the people of God. We just hang out there and somehow that makes us a Christian. I think that's how the analogy is working here. And these words here, to be cautious that you're not deadwood, are for those of us who maybe think that we're Christians because we go to church, or think that we're Christians because we may be in a Bible study, or maybe think that we're Christians because we, we, we read the Bible or we pray or, or whatever it is, but we've not yet connected to the vine Jesus Christ. We've not reconciled our sin and his forgiveness in a way that, that actually connects us to the vine. And so these words are here for us to caution us that way. The church, that is the people of God, is not the vine. And we miss a big part of Jesus' teaching here if we don't at least pause to consider that maybe I am an unfruitful branch. Now, we can have confidence that we're not if, if, if we've confidently named our sin and taken that to Jesus. Now, we can be confident in that. So I don't want to just sit here and be, you know, all of us wondering all the time, oh, am I a dead branch now? No, 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 no. There's a, there's a confidence there if you truly believe. But if we've not made that connection, we will never bear fruit. The only way to bear fruit is to be connected to the vine. So if you're in the vineyard every week singing, praying, confessing, living, working next to the rest of the branches, it may seem like you are a Christian, but proximity or nearness to those actively connected to Christ is not connection to Christ himself. And the deadwood, the branches that don't bear fruit, they don't last. They're thrown away, they're gathered, and they're burned. Now, that's a hard one for me to deliver as a pastor. That's hard for me to go out here and say to you if my task is to keep our relationship really, really good. My task is to rightly divide the word here. And, and, and so many times when I hear of what Jesus says, he says things that are incredibly uh, unnerving. And, and exclusive because he believes in, some, in, in something bigger than what we often believe. I would love it if my Jesus, my Savior, would always tell me, nice job. But he doesn't always tell me, nice job. He tells me, here's what's right, and I want you to be on that. I want you to be connected to what is right. Because he then turns to those who are bearing fruit. He says, if you're not bearing fruit, you're out. But if you are bearing fruit, well, here come the pruning shears. It just seems so brutal. Before I get into the idea of pruning, 
uh, I want to I talk about uh, what, is, uh, what, what, what may not be pruning. Uh, okay, so uh, it's the idea of sin. Uh, your sin always has eternal consequences. Your sin also may have consequences in this life. I, I, I want to just make sure that we, that we don't mistake a consequence for sin with God's pruning. I think sometimes as Christians, we can uh, go and, and, and just live uh, malicious lives. We can be very prideful. We can mess things up because we're arrogant, we're prideful, uh, because we're, we're mean, we're ruthless, uh, because we don't follow God's ways. And then there is a punishment that happens because God says that they will be punished. Or there could just be a falling out. If I am sinful toward another uh, a brother or sister, and then there's a weird relationship, I'm not quite sure that that is the pruning. Uh, that might just be the result of me just being a sinful person and, and externally doing that. So I want to make sure that we don't, we don't uh, too quickly go into the, the idea that I, I've just made a whole bunch of illegal decisions. I've made a whole bunch of immoral decisions. And now, praise be to God, I'm being pruned. Now, sometimes we're being punished. Sometimes we're just straight up being punished. There is an element of pruning within that, but I'm not, I, I, I want to make sure that we don't too quickly go to a uh, consequence of sin being pruning. What is pruning then? If I've already talked about uh, uh, the, the not bearing fruit is thrown away, that the consequence of sin is punishment, then now we're right here at those who are bearing fruit, who are connected to Christ, are pruned. Pruning, maybe it's a helpful, helpful definition. Uh, it's my own, so I take it lightly. Pruning is the shaping of our hearts to the holy image of God. Uh, pruning is a guided growth toward fruitfulness. Because what's the point of the pruning? It's that you bear more fruit. And what do we do with, uh, with, uh, with trees, you know, with my maple tree? I want, I, want to, I want to take out what's not there, but I also want to encourage the growth to be good. The, the, those, those branches that continue to grow down, I kind of want to prune those so that they grow up and, uh, and, and encourage that growth. The same thing happens with our hearts. Now, maybe pruning could be something uh, maybe defined as a change in the situation uh, focused on changing us. Whatever season you're in, I believe that, that God can be pruning you and probably is pruning you somehow. Oftentimes we see this most in difficult situations uh, when, we're, when we're looking for jobs, when we're waiting for uh, graduation, when we are wondering uh, when uh, God's timeline for change in our current situation will finally match ours, which is much quicker. In that long awaiting, uh, in, that, in, that, uh, in that idea of, of wanting to align our vision to God's vision, he prunes us. He helps us to see his ways. He helps us to feel uh, his heart. I personally uh, feel like 2019 has been uh, a, a, a pretty aggressive season of pruning uh, in my life, just in, in certain life situations uh, and, and relationships that have happened in, in 2019. I feel like it's, it's almost every week that, uh, that I have to think, how, okay, God, what... This doesn't feel like the greatest idea. So, so what am I supposed to learn in this? How am I supposed to be? How are you shaping me uh, this way? But to be honest, I feel like you could have asked me this in 2019. I would have said 2019 seemed like a pretty aggressive season of pruning. I give you that example of myself just to, to invite you into that idea of, of considering where, where, is, where, where God might be pruning you. I think sometimes we bounce around just saying, I believe in Jesus, but never actually think about his ongoing work uh, in us. 
in each of your, in each of your, the tensions of your life. I think there's an element of that pruning. And we have to be cautious. Maybe we're being punished and we need to confess our sins. But I think there's a way that we can, we can lean into the pruning that God has there. Maybe, maybe our career isn't, isn't, isn't panning out the way that we had hoped because it's been of our own strength. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, our, maybe our, our marriage isn't working quite as we had hoped because there's some pruning that needs to happen on our end. We need to be changed or encouraged to grow in a certain way. Uh, maybe our parenting has, 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 has exhausted us. Maybe even looking into the Bible, we feel like I keep ramming my head into the Bible and it keeps not giving me what I want. Maybe God is giving us that unsatisfied feeling because we need to be pruned. We need to grow in a way where we approach it differently, where, where we come to the Bible differently. It's activity. Uh, so that is, uh, sorry, that is, that is maybe some of how we get that result of abiding. The result of abiding is either, uh, of abiding is either fruitfulness or unfruitfulness. Uh, I, I guess the result of actually abiding is fruitfulness, and we need to be moving toward that. Now, I want, I want to focus here a little bit more on uh, maybe much more important. That's kind of the superficial, how we, how we see uh, the results of our abiding. The focus of this text, though, is on something different. Can you go to the next slide? Really, it's just that box there. It's where the vine connects to, or where the branch connects to the vine. So it's a very, very small part. And I feel like this illustration is really helpful because in my world, I see all of the other stuff happening. I feel like I look at Jesus and I say, this is, Jesus is great. And I look at my world and say, maybe this is fruit, maybe this isn't fruit. And I get caught up in the big picture but the focus that we need to have and the focus that this text drives us to and the focus that, that Jesus has for his disciples in John, in this passage of, of John, is right there, that focusing right there. Different things can happen in your life, but your focus must be on Christ and your connection to Christ. That's where this whole picture makes sense. If we don't have that connection of the branch connecting to the vine, we don't have the fruit. If we don't have that connection, then the vine dresser comes along. We won't even have the branch. If we don't have that connection, all we have is Jesus Christ and all of his truth and all of his love and his holiness and his justice. And we just have a vine. He says, I am the true vine. And then he gives us like, I don't know, 16 more verses to describe the, the rest of the picture. And it's dependent on that connection. So very clearly, no matter where you're at, being punished for sin, if you're being pruned, and it's not fun, it never feels like fun. Whether you're hanging out in your dead wood and you're hanging out with other Christians and you need to connect, it's all the same. Focus on that connection with Christ. I'm gonna go into that a little more here. I think that this connection sometimes seems like Jesus is suggesting a blind obedience to his words or commands. Uh, verse, seven, uh, verse 7, 8, and 9. I'll read them again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. He goes on in verse 10 to say, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I for so long have thought uh, that abiding in Jesus means that I go and I feel something, 
uh, uh, toward Jesus, and then I just go and do and I, and I, and I obey. I think in the analogy, in, in what we have here in this picture, is something much more than that. It's this, this reciprocal relationship. Uh, so this, this give and take, this, this back and forth in a relationship of the connection. You are the vine, or you are the branch, I am the vine, and then we connect. This is what we're focusing on. This is what our lives should be focused on each and every day, this connection. There's something that happens here. Um, author and, and scholar uh, D.A. Carson he, he describes this connection this way and this relationship this way. He says, the branches derive their life from the vine and the vine produces its fruit through the branches. There's this flow of nourishment that happens when there's a connection. But it takes trust. It takes communication. And we see that here. We have to connect to the vine. This is, this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples uh, just back in, verse, in chapter 14. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You, you can never actually be connected if you don't believe that I am the truth, if you don't believe that I could forgive your sins. You have to trust that my word is sufficient, that it gives you everything you need for this life and the next. Trust, abiding requires trust that God's word is sufficient. I mean, he says it here in, uh, uh, in these verses uh, that we've read. If you abide in, my, abide in me and my words abide in you. Trust in my word that it is sufficient. I want to clarify, sufficient is not good enough. That what Jesus tells us is not simply good enough. Sufficient means it's all that you need. We come to one well for our thirst. We come to one healer for our healing. And we come to one vine for his life-giving, nourishing word. That's what is, is, is meant here. We need to focus on this connection. And we know that we can focus on this connection. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. We see that this can happen here. We, need, we see that his word is sufficient for all that we need. But not only is there this trust that makes the connection, there's also a prayer. There's this back and forth conversation, this communication. And so we pray, but not simply pray to God. We pray, that we, uh, we, we, we pray prayers that conform to God's will. We're prone to pray for luxuries of today if we're not regularly considering the timeless truths of his word. Uh, the bigger reality taken outside of just simply uh, what I need today, but taken to the redemptive plan to align our hearts to that. I think, for example, it's okay to pray for healing. I think this is a good thing. Pray for healing. I think that it's a much more difficult, more, more, more transformative uh, thing for us to pray for God's will in whatever illness or healing uh, there is or that we would want. To not simply pray that someone get better, but to pray that God have his way in that situation. And then to pray for our understanding and our trust in his good ways no matter what the outcome would be. I think that that's a, that's a hard one. I think that that is focusing on our nourishment from God. Oftentimes, I want to pray for the fruit. Please, just make the end result be good to me. I want this kind of grip. I want this kind of outcome. I want this kind of, of, of trajectory. But really, abiding in God, abiding in His love, focusing on that connection with Christ is to pray that His will be done and not ours. 
and that we can trust him, that we can come to him for the nourishment we need to get through whatever that outcome may be. These, are kind, these kinds of reciprocal activity, this, this back and forth, they, are, they shape and they are shaped by love. Jesus says, abide in my love. And it's as though that spot, that place, you know, in the box there, that spot, that place where the branch connects to the vine is held together by love. It's the life that flows from the vine and through the branches. Now, the psalmist in, uh, in Psalm 73 he speaks of it this way. I'm going to read Psalm 73, and then I'm going to say it again, maybe thinking of John 15. So Psalm 73, verses 24 and 26 read, You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We read this a little differently. I I think that this is a prayer of abiding. He says, "Uh, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you receive me to glory. It's as though we say, God, you are the one nourishing me. You are the one creating growth in me. And here's the exclusive nature of the gospel. Whom have I in heaven but you, the psalmist says. What other vine can I connect to? I can go running for all of these other ways that may be helpful in the moment and feel good in the moment, but you are true nourishment that I need. And there's nothing on earth that I connect to besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. It says, when I try to make my own end, when I try to grow my own fruit, when my motive is for me and my fruit, when I focus more on the fruit than on you, I fail. But God is the strength of my heart. God, when your ways are in me, when you feed me with your love, when you feed me with what Christ only can give me, that's when my fruit will abide forever. And so this idea of abiding, this actively abiding, this focusing in on Christ, it comes through trust, it comes through prayer, it comes through love, and then it produces, as the text says, it produces joy. And it's a strange joy. It's a different kind of joy. It's a joy that can last through anything. What does he say here? In verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That's the trajectory. He says, I've spoken these things to you, that the purpose is my joy is in you, your joy may be full. Now, interestingly enough, we go way out to big-time context here. Verses, chapters 14, 15, and 16. In chapter 14, Jesus ends the Last Supper by saying, uh, there's some Jewish leaders, they want to kill me, they're going to come. Also, one of you is going to betray me, and also, I'm going to leave and you can't come. And so we talked about this last week a bit, and their hearts are troubled, like many of us, in weeks that are not encouraging, in situations that we just can't figure out how to solve We're troubled. We have troubled hearts. Uh, And then Jesus gives us this image of how to abide in the midst of a troubled heart. But in chapter 16, he's going to turn and he's going to say, the world's going to hate you. (laughs) It's almost like within the imagery, he's going to say, and you better abide in the vine because tornado's coming. It's going to go right through the vineyard. How are you going to last 
You will never last if you're just laying here next to the vine. It's going to take you away. We have to have that connection there to the vine. So how does this, so how does this, uh, how does this all begin? If we went to the result, we go to the, to the actively abiding, and now we go to the very beginning of this. Uh, I'm actually going to read into uh, chapters uh, 12, or uh, verses 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you, ask, the Father may, uh, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. And these things I command you, so that you will love one another. So, interestingly enough, there, there, there are two things that happen here. Just, just on the surface level, what is being said here is that, that, that Jesus is telling his disciples, now go out and do these things. Go abide, go obey, go in, in the way of love, go and do these things. But we're also invited into kind of that, 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 that trajectory, those, those, those commands as an example, as an imitation of, of Jesus. That's how it can all begin. We can't go out and show his love unless we first know his love. We can't go out and, uh, and, and lay our lives down if we've not actually seen that done. And so we find that, that Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is the worthy vine through which we can attach Jesus is the life-giving vine, the only life-giving vine because he relates to us very differently than others. In verse 13, we read that he laid his life down for us. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. We're called to submit our lives to him. And then when we focus on Jesus Christ, we get the perfect example of how to be hospitable, of how to be good stewards, of how to be grateful, of how to lay our lives down because we've seen that done for us. We've experienced what that love is to the point of death. We can go and do that because Christ has done that for us. But we also see Christ's love in this, that he made known all he heard from his Father. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. Jesus doesn't simply give us the way to, to God. Jesus doesn't simply feed us with this, this life. He lays his cards down. He comes down out of the love of the Father. He comes down and he just explains it to us. He gives us good guidance. And then verse 16. He has a purpose in all of this. That he chose us that, we may, that our fruit may abide, that we may bear fruit and it should abide. I did not choose you, but I, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask within my Father's will, he may give you these things I command you so that you will love one another. The whole image goes all the way back to the vine. And he is a true and lasting vine. He is worthy. He is able. He is, he is uh, capable of feeding you forever because he has laid his life down for forgiveness of sins. He has revealed to you 
the plan of the Father, the redemptive plan of God to make all things new, to, to, to restore all things, to forgive those who believe in Him and to dwell with them again. He has given you that plan. It's revealed to us sufficiently in Scripture. But then He puts us on a trajectory of more fruit-bearing. And more fruit that should last, that your fruit should abide, that it should continue on in this way. So, wherever you're at in your week, wherever you're at in your life, whatever, uh, whatever that, um, that thing that you, just, uh, uh, that you keep working on, that you keep, uh, Satan is speaking to defeat you, uh, that you feel like you just can't understand it, it creates tension, it creates doubt, it creates confusion, it creates uh, pain in your life, whatever, whatever that is, you can navigate it if you're connected to Christ by believing in Christ, by trusting in Christ, by coming to Him. In seasons of pruning, intense pruning uh, or moderate pruning, uh, my wife and I, we, we oftentimes go to uh, a song. And I'm going to read the first two verses of this song. All five verses are, are, are beautiful, but I'm going to read these two first verses and then I'll pray these verses. Uh, hopefully that they, they might be words of abiding in your own life uh, and wherever you're at, wherever God is speaking to you today. This is a, this is a hymn by Henry Light uh, called Abide With Me. Hear the words. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to the Swift to its close, uh, close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Jesus speaks these words of abiding to disciples who are, who are deeply in despair, who are troubled. I think it's wrong for us to think that he speaks these to people who are very encouraged and don't need to abide. He understands that at some level, we need encouragement. We need to, 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 to be refreshed. And he, in his way, he does. Doesn't hit it directly, but he says, your bigger problem is that you're not abiding. Whatever that difficulty is, abide with me. No matter if the darkness deepens, no matter if other helpers fail or comforts flee. And I love that, how, the, how the hymnist, he writes this. He, he refers to God as help of the helpless. Abide with me. Those are comforting words in times where we need to find direction. We need to hear hope. Now hope only comes by focusing on Christ and that connection to him. The, the rest will work out. The vine dresser will take care of his vineyard. We focus on abiding in Christ.